0: is your host, Coach Danielle McCartan. You can follow her work on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Hello everybody, this is 60 Minute Overtime, Fall 2016, Episode 7. Uh, today is November twentieth, twenty sixteen. I'm your host Daniel McCartan, Coach McCartan on Twitter. You can visit my website www.prosportsrundown.com, uh, Periscope at Coach McCartan, Twitter at Coach McCartan, Facebook.com/slash Coach McCartan, YouTube search Coach Space McCartan at that's M C C A R T A N, SoundCloud.com/slash Coach McCartan, iTunes podcast Coach McCartan, and I'm now on something called TuneIn Radio. Which uh, I like to listen to on the Sonos system in my house So tune in radio, you'll type in 60 Minute Overtime That's just another platform for me to conquer Today on 60 Minute Overtime, you're going to get to hear from Teresa Walker She's an Associated Press football writer Who covers the Titans for the past 20 years So she really knows her stuff, you'll see And I would really like to get you involved Got something to say? Call the studio, 201-825-1234. Now, you might have heard me this week on Mike Francesa, on the Mike Francesa Show. Uh, and uh, that was on WFAN this week. Uh, he talked about, he was asking me questions about the Raiders' move to Vegas. Uh, I... I got on there for the good four to, four or five minutes if anybody knows Mike Francesa you'll know that he doesn't really let anybody talk for a long period of time ever he kind of just hits the button drops your call and cuts you off so I got about four or five minutes to talk with Mike Francesa which is like huge to you to quote him that's huge that's huge we talked about the Raiders moving to Vegas and uh, I actually have brought some new knowledge to the to to him, to light for him. So I thought that was kind of cool. He was asking me questions, which right after that brought me a slew of new Twitter followers. It broke the internet on my website, prosportsrundown.com, and I'm not kidding. Uh, So I hope some of you guys that that were listening to me then are listening to me now, because that would be cool. Uh, Really appreciate all the love I got on Twitter. Some people are, are calling for me to take over Carton's spot. And the Boomer and Carton show in the morning. Sign me up. I'll do it. I will do it. Uh, so I just want to give a big thank you to Mike. Francesa, obviously, is a legend in New York media. If you don't know, look him up. Uh, but I'm sure you do know who he is. And uh, producer Brian Monzo for having me on. It was very fun. I, I I can't wait to call back in and get through to Mike and talk to him again. But And uh, for all my new friends on all my social media accounts, uh, hi. And I hope you're listening. So today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Giants Giants, Bears. That's coming up 1 o'clock. We're also going to talk about the Titans Colts in my out-of-league, out of uh, out-of-market out uh, out teams. It's, I'm going to talk about the Tennessee Titans taking on the Indianapolis Colts today. Also, the New York Jets continue to have a quarterback controversy, even on a bye week, believe it or not. Uh, and also, right now, we're going to get into Tony Romo. Tony Romo, is he the ultimate team player, or is there an ulterior motive behind his statement that he came out and said last week? So I'm going to play the statement for you. We'll dissect it. Please, talk to me. Talk to me. What do you got? Let's talk Tony Romo.
1: First, I uh, really, I just came up here to talk to you guys. Uh, I wrote something. I put it together that I really just wanted to read. More, I know you have a lot of questions, as uh, you know, many of you have hounded me pretty much daily. Edward or Texas on the hour. But uh, I'm, I'm not going to probably uh, get to every, uh, I'm not going to take any questions. So uh, hopefully I answer most of them with what I'm saying here. And if, they, if I don't answer, I'm sure we'll talk in the future. So hopefully we're going to keep it short. I think it's for multiple reasons. One, I think it's in the best interest of our team. Um, but, uh, we'll leave it at that. So I'm just going to read this and hopefully you can just stay with me. I don't think it'll be too long, but I think it does capture the essence a little bit of what, uh, your mindset is throughout all this and our football team and in the situation. So here we go. Uh, To say the first half of the season has been emotional would be a huge understatement. Um, getting hurt when you feel like you have the best team you've ever had was a soul-crushing moment for me then to learn it's not three or four weeks but 10 is another blow and through it all you have a tremendous amount of guilt on having let your teammates fans and organization down after all they were depending on you to bring them a championship that's what quarterbacks are supposed to do that's how we're judged i loved that i still do But then here you are sidelined without any real ability to help your teammates win on the field. That's when you're forced to come face to face with what's happening. Seasons are fleeting, games become more precious, chances for success diminish. Your potential successor has arrived, injured two years in a row and now in the mid 30s. The press is whispering, everyone has doubts. You've spent your career working to get here. Now we have to start all over. You almost feel like an outsider. The coaches are sympathetic, but they still have to coach, and you're not there. It's a dark place, probably the darkest it's ever been. You're sad and down and out, and you ask yourself, why did this have to happen? It's in this moment that you find out who you really are and what you're really about. You see, football is a meritocracy. You aren't handed anything. You earn everything, every single day, over and over again. You have to prove it. That's the way that the NFL, that's the way the football works. A great example of this is Dak Prescott and what he's done. He's earned the right to be our quarterback. As hard as that is for me to say, he's earned that right. He's guided our team to an 8-1 record, and that's hard to do. If you think for a second that I don't want to be out there, then you've probably never felt the pure ecstasy of competing and winning. That hasn't left me. In fact, it may burn more now than ever. It's not always easy to watch. I think anybody who's been in this position understands that. But it, what is clear? Is that I was that kid once, stepping in, having to prove yourself. I remember the feeling like it was yesterday. It really is an incredible time in your life. And if I remember one thing from back then, it's it's the people that helped me along when I was young. And if I can be that to Dak, didact- you know, I've tried to be. And I will be going forward. I think you all know something magical is happening to our team. I'm not going to allow this situation to negatively affect Dak or this football team by becoming a constant distraction. Um, I uh, I think Dak knows that I have his back. And I think I know that he has mine. Ultimately, it's about the team. It's what we've preached our entire lives. I can remember when I was a kid just starting out and wanting to be a part of something bigger than myself. For every high school kid out there or college player, there's greatness in being the kind of teammate who truly wants to be part of a team. Everyone wants to be the reason they're winning or losing. Every single one of us wants to be that person. But there are special moments that come from a shared commitment to play a role while doing it together. That's what you'll remember. Not your stats or your prestige, but the relationships and the achievement that you created through a group. It's hard to do, but there's great joy in that. And All the while, your desire burns to be the best you've ever been. You can be both. I figured that out in this process. It's what separates sports from everything else. It's why we love it. It's why we trust it. It's why I still want to play and compete. Lastly, I just want to leave you with something I've learned in this process as well. You know, I feel like we all have two battles or two enemies going on. One with the man across from you. The second is with the man inside of you. I think once you control the one inside of you, the one across from you really doesn't matter. And I think that's what we're all trying to do. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Now, that was Tony Romo's press conference or statement that he read in total. It really wasn't a conference. He did not take any of the press's phone, call, uh, phone calls, any of the press's questions. But let's see. Let's see. Hi, Kyle Hemmer. <laughs> How you doing? I talked about the Raiders last week. You missed that. Um, but Tony Romo, like him or not, it's a class act to do this, to get up there in front of the whole entire world and to say that and acknowledge that you are not the guy anymore. Now, as a Jet fan... <laughs> I can uh, sit back and say, "Well, you know what? I've, I don't. I don't know if I've ever heard that before because there always seems to be a, a quarterback controversy in New York. Uh, but like him or not, he's a class act to do this—to get up in front of everybody to to actually get out and, and do and, and say that, knowing that his time is probably going to be up in Dallas. Uh, it's important to do so, and, and I'm a coach, and it's important to do so so that." Rookie Dak Prescott doesn't feel undermined. Doesn't feel like one mistake is going to cost him his job. With Tony Romo lurking on the sidelines, and I think coaches everywhere, coaches everywhere, should just play, play that for their teams everywhere. You know, this is a, we play in a me society. You know, there's no I in team, but the kids always remind me that there's a me that shouldn't be. So Tony Romo is in fact doing the best for the team the best for the Cowboys to maintain status quo i mean where are the Cowboys 9 and 1 so uh, from from a that standpoint the team first kind of standpoint coaches should be playing that for everybody everywhere i think so now, the rumors are, are swirling. Where is Tony Romo going to land? Oh, and and by the way, it must be noted that he didn't just assume he was going to get his role back. Tony Romo actually went to everybody, the management, Jerry Jones, and asked him asked them for a chance to get his job back. And uh, he didn't demand it. He asked. And that's also important to note. But now, is there an ulterior motive in a, in a well-written statement like this that... Did he? Did he, in fact, you know, write that on his own? Uh, we don't know. I don't think so. He definitely had a speechwriter, in my opinion. But Cowboys owner Jerry Jones said on Thursday that it's not a likely scenario, that it's not a consideration for Romo to be somewhere other than Dallas in 2017, and that's for uh, as per the Fort Worth, Fort Worth Star Telegram. And the quote is. It's not a goodbye. I think Tony has got five years left of a complete, a really complete, no, that's a, that's a typo in there. The quote is, it's not a goodbye. I think Tony has got five years left to really compete for a Super Bowl. I believe Tony will be the quarterback on a Super Bowl team. I believe that strongly. We're talking generic now. I have no plans for him not to be a part of the Dallas Cowboys. It is not a consideration. Well, I believe Tony will be the quarterback on a Super Bowl team. That's a strong possibility for this year. Doesn't say he's going to be the starting quarterback on, on a Super Bowl winning team. He will be a quarterback on the Cowboys. And I think they have a great shot at winning the Super Bowl this year. So, and in, in, in taking a mentorship sort of role to young Dak Prescott. Is that setting himself up? to be a, either a starting quarterback or a mentor somewhere else. Now reports are saying that Tony Romo is eyeing up Denver as a possible landing spot. That seems to be where he wants to go now. Uh, that seems to be his number one choice. Because the, let's face it, the Broncos probably don't have so much confidence in, in Trevor Simeon. who's also, I believe, a rookie. If not a rookie, he is a uh, definitely a young quarterback. So in Denver... Is he eyeing up a starting job? So, I don't know. Uh, There's also some rumors that he will be auditioning for a role for the Jets. God, no, please, no. We don't need any more quarterbacks on this roster. And we don't need any more controversy on this roster for the New York Jets. So, you know... Imagine, imagine, you know, I liken Tony Romo coming to the Jets like like Brett Favre coming to the Jets from the Packers for that one year. So, <laughs> please, just, just stay away from New York. If you can't handle it in Dallas, you're not going to be able to handle it in New York. As far as Tony Romo, uh, they've been saying that he might retire after this season. If Tony Romo re- retires after the season, he will seek uh, an office role within the Cowboys organization. We don't know. Well, we don't know. But what we do know right now is that Tony Romo is taking a backseat to Dak Prescott, and he's going to let him do his thing. Okay? And and another landing spot someone just said on uh, would be would be the Bears. And we'll get into Jay Cutler in a little bit at the end of when I do the Giants preview, but uh, the Bears would be, I mean, quarterback-wise a good position for him, but I think Romo wants to sort of slide into a, a, a winning team. Like a ready-made team, just plug and play, in my opinion. So I think uh, I think for that reason, the Jets are a no, the Bears are a no, Cardinals might be a good spot. We got to see. We got to see how this is, this is going to play out, but I don't think he's done. I do not think he's going to retire and uh, we'll keep you updated here on 60 minute overtime uh, on anything regarding Tony Romo. Someone just tweeted me and said, hashtag uh, in DaAC we trust. Always love Tony Romo, but you can't mess with this chemistry. Hashtag Cowboys Nation. 100%. I'm going to type that now. 100%. Agree. Dak Prescott is rolling. They won't even give Tony Romo first-team snaps at practice in in order to not mess with what they have going on. Now they're in talks of, you know, instead of totally sidelining him in practice and in games, they're having talks of just um, extending practice putting an extra session on the end of practice or before practice, I don't know, uh, for Tony Roman to get some reps with the first team. So in Dak we trust. Of course in Dak we trust. Dak Prescott, Eze- Ezekiel Elliott, Zeke. The rookies. The rookies are forging ahead in Dallas. And by the way, the NFC East is the only division in the NFL in which all teams are above five hundred. What does that tell you? I thought in the beginning of this season that the Giants were going to steal this division. Then you have guys like Carson Wentz on the Eagles emerging. You have guys like um, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. It's like the, the, the two-headed monster down there. And <laughs> all of a sudden, the NFC East is the toughest division in the NFL. Who knew? Who could have guessed that? I'm got. I can't even read these comments fast enough on Periscope. I'm at Coach McCartan on Periscope. Uh, they disappear. I wish. I say this every week. I wish the comments did not disappear on Periscope. So if I don't get to you, it's because it, it it disappears. Just say it again, because I will get to you. I, I will. I will read it. I promise you. <laughs> um. So now the New York Jets continue to have a quarterback controversy. Even on a bye week, the Jets lost nine to six. I think I've seen baseball scores higher than that. Um, They lost to the not-so-good Rams. The story out of that was Bryce Petty. Bryce Petty finally got his shot. Yeah, well,
2: you know, number two is not my goal.
0: That's him telling me number two is not my goal. And, yes, he did get his shot this week. But let's see. Let let me read his stats. Uh, Bryce Petty in the first quarter alone. Bryce Petty connected with rookie Robbie Anderson on a 52-yard completion. It was the longest reception of Robbie Anderson's career. Uh, Later, uh, Bryce Petty hit Brandon Marshall, who then lateraled the ball to running back Bilal Powell, which was a really cool play, for a four-yard touchdown. It was the first touchdown pass of Petty's career. His stat line versus the Rams, he was 19 for 32 with 163 yards, just about a 60% completion percentage. Uh, Longest was fifty-two. T- one touchdown, one interception. Uh, quarterback rating of seventy, and that's how that game went. Again, the score was nine to six. The Jets lose. Now the the there have been reports. Yes, and, and someone just said that the interfer- interception was not his fault. Yes, that interception was not his fault. Um, that was Anunma's fault, which Anunma was beginning to be. Uh a breakout receiver at the beginning of the this season, and all of a sudden he kind of just faded into the distance and sort of blended in. But now there are reports that Todd Bowles is afraid that the locker room will revolt if he picks Petty to start versus the Patriots next week. My reaction to that is, what? Okay, so at the beginning of the season, let's back up. Ryan uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was holding out. You had guys like, veteran guys like Eric Decker, Brandon Marshall, Nick Mangold lobbying. Lobbying for a return of Fitzpatrick. Now, I'm not sure so now let's fast forward. Fitzpatrick's hurt. Geno Smith is hurting out for the season. Uh, And Bryce Petty gets the start. Okay, now Jets are on a bye week, which is an extra week to rest. When week, uh, week 12 comes about, should Ryan Fitzpatrick be ready to go, Todd Bowles has to make a decision. Now, I was thinking about this, and someone just asked, what about Hackenberg? Second-round pick should at least be suiting up. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, the Jets, if, if you haven't been following, the Jets have had major quarterback controversies over the past years, and I've chronicled them at nauseum on this show. Why did those veteran guys want Ryan Fitzpatrick to come back so bad? In my opinion, I think they were revolting against Geno Smith. Okay, yeah, Fitzpatrick did earn the right to come back. Yes, he did. He hasn't been playing so well. I think he's either last... In the NFL, or first in the NFL in interceptions or, or second in the NFL in interceptions so yeah he does bring chemistry and leadership he does but he's not performing so I think the whole thing in the beginning of the season was an anti-Gino movement it wasn't a pro-Fitz movement it was not a pro fits movement it was anti geno so that's in my opinion so how could now getting back to the current event here how could people in in the Jets facility be revo- would revolt or would how would they revolt against Bryce Petty he's by and large unproven he had an above average preseason he had an average game last week that was a pitiful game mistakes on both sides of the football all around I mean even the Jets missed an extra point in that game so you you can't judge the guy on one game nobody in this league gets a one game tryout so in my opinion if the Jets are really to give Bryce Petty a real shot I mean let's face it their season is pretty much over they're not even in the playoff hunt why not give him a shot against the Patriots that would be an excellent litmus test wouldn't you agree wouldn't you agree? So, in my opinion, next week Todd Bowles he said he's going to make a decision uh, by the middle of this week, so probably by Thanksgiving. Expect uh, expect a uh, um, an announcement from Todd Bowles this week in regards to the quarterback decision. But I think he go with Bryce Petty again. I do. I definitely do. And and Fitzpatrick didn't get the win the first time versus the pa- Patriots. Thank you. Uh, on Periscope, someone just said that Fitzpatrick couldn't beat the Patriots the first time he hasn't practiced in two weeks let Petty do it let's see what he got (laughs) let's see what he got let's see what he has so the Jets have a bye week this week which means, which is good news for the fans because it means that they can't lose this week (laughs) the Jets are not playing, therefore they can't lose get it?
2: This is Anthony Fasano from the Tennessee Titans. You're listening to 60 Minutes Overtime on 90.3 FM.
0: Now that was, if if you're listening and streaming live online, that was Anthony Fasano, the Titans tight end, giving me a shout-out, 60-minute overtime shout-out. Now let's go to the out-of-town spotlight, which I'm going to focus this week. In the past, I've done uh, the Oakland Raiders. But this week, we're going to focus on the Tennessee Titans. Now let's back up a little bit because the Titans are having a season that no one has predicted. No one has predicted the type of season that the Tennessee Titans are currently having, okay? So I talked with Jason McCourty, who is their defensive captain and starting cornerback. Talked with him in June, okay? And I recorded this. It was right after the uh, OTAs, uh, organized team activities. So here is Jason McCourty, giving his predictions for the upcoming 2016 season for the Titans, who, by the way, last season won three games. The season before that won two games. So they have five wins in two years. What? so funny. All right, so the 2016 Titans, obviously, um, you missed 12 games in 2015. Um, Two surgeries later, back at OTAs, what are your impressions
3: at OTAs? Uh, we're just out there improving and uh, something Coach Malarkey talked about was obviously our past two years haven't been good, but we're just moving forward. We're trying each and every day we go out there, whether it was OTAs, mini camp, we're just going out there for the drills that we do, uh, just trying to get a little bit better each day. So uh, our, our kind of thing we're doing now this offseason is just trying to find a way uh, through all the competitions we're doing, find a way to win. So yeah. we're trying to start to build that from the ground up and uh, looking forward to when the fall comes of trying to win some football games. Yeah, so
0: and And um, I'm going to just read a quote that the Titans GM, John Robinson, recently said he's done a really nice job meeting you. He's done a really nice job. We are really counting on him to go out there and produce like he is capable of. It sounds like a lot of pressure from the GM.
3: Uh, that's our jobs. Yeah. I mean, each and every year you produce or they find somebody else that will. So okay. uh, whether he says it or not says it, I think everybody in that locker room understands that mm-hmm. uh, Those that's what our job is. is cutthroat. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, each year the team will be different. Uh, this will be my eighth year in Tennessee, mm-hmm. and uh, there's probably – two guys still left on the team from when I first got there that we've been there for the past eight years. So uh, that's just the name of our business. So we have a really good GM, a really good head coach, and I'm just looking forward to giving everything I have and doing everything in my power uh, to be as good as I can this season. I
0: came across some stats that were a little um, outstanding to me. Without you on the team, uh, last year the opposing quarterbacks posted a 101.3 passer rating and 34 TD passes against the uh, Titans defense. As captain, which ways are you looking to tighten up the defense
3: this coming season? Uh, I just think that we have to come together. You know, last year I got hurt. We had one of our defensive ends, Derek Morgan, get hurt. And it kind of changed the uh, complex of our defense. And I think we've done a really good job as an organization this off-season of adding depth. So if guys go down, we have other guys that can step right in. But uh, we just got to continue to come together. Early in the season last year, we were ranked pretty high on defense and it kind of fell uh, to the wayside as the season progressed. So uh, I think we've improved on offense with our running game. All of those type of things, I think, will help us get better as a team. So I'm looking forward uh, to us just coming together this year and seeing what we can do.
0: Yeah, and in your division, the, the Texans won the AFC South with a 9-7 and seven record. Across the NFL, that seems like a wide-open division. What are your expectations for the 2016 Titans?
3: I, I just want to win football games. You know, uh, this time of the year, everybody's sitting around saying, oh, we want to win the Super Bowl, and that's everybody's goal. And yeah. uh, For me, there's no reason to sit here and talk about it. Uh, just about improving now when the time comes and when Sundays come during the fall, we're just trying to do everything in our in our power to win each and every time we step foot out that's there. cool. So if, if you're up to
0: now, that was uh, Jason McCourty talking about this season, and, and it's a great point because this, this division, the AFC South, is, is, is wide open. Wide open. You heard him indicate the, the coaching. They have a, a newfound uh, trust, confidence in the coaching staff down there in Tennessee and Nashville. Now, uh, maybe two weeks later, I talked with Anthony, Anthony Fasano, who is the Titans' tight end. And let's hear what he had to say previewing this season. So the Titans are coming off a 13 and 3 and 13 season. Um, what improvements have been made for this upcoming season? Uh, we
2: have a different coach now, and yeah. uh, a, a lot of uh, different players in free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, a good rookie class, uh, and really just a, just the mentality is trying to get changed. You know, expecting to win, and uh, you know having people fear us when they play. So. so um, I I think we're going to have a great great amount of success. So
0: Coach Malarkey is actually, like you said, changing the culture a little bit. He's doing in-house competitions, I heard. Have you participated in any of those?
2: Oh, of course. Yes, I have. It's a a daily thing. Competition is high uh, in pretty much everything we do there, so it's kind of part of changing the culture.
0: And what's, what's the prize?
2: Uh, just just to be able to say you won Just a little bragging rights mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's kind of what competition is about It's not really what you get, it's just that you beat them
0: yeah. So now, have you as a tight end Seen a little bit of evolution from Marcus Mariota?
2: Yeah, for sure I mean, uh, I think he had a great year, rookie year We just mm-hmm. have to keep him healthy uh, and, yeah. and protect him a little bit better But uh, he's going to be starting this league for a long time
0: So the AFC South is one of the most I would say wide open divisions in the NFL You had the Texans making the playoffs at 9-7 and seven. Um, What's the outlook for the Titans this year?
2: I think we have a great shot at winning our uh, division. You know, it's uh, it seems there's a lot of parity in our division right. and throughout the whole league. So uh, if we establish a run game, don't turn the ball over, and do all the things you have to do to win, uh, I think we'll be great.
0: Okay, well, Danny. Now, that was Anthony Visano talking about. Now, in Coach Malarkey is a brand new coach coming into Tennessee, and he has some in house competitions, whether it's like playing a game of horse, uh, playing pool, or all kinds of little like reindeer games that they play. and and among the locker room, which creates a culture of competition. I like that. So you heard him talk about the culture change, expecting to win games. Now, expecting to win games, like I just said, they won five games over the past two seasons. Already, they've won five games this season. So they're 5-5 and right now, sitting second in the AFC South. So my thesis question once was how does a team that finishes the national football season at 3-13 and become the next season a serious playoff contender an emerging favorite to win its division entering week 11 the t- Tennessee Titans are 5-5 five and, five and are like I said in second place in the AFC South now the Texans clinched a, clinched a playoff berth last season with a record of 9-7 and seven. to me And that was the worst record of all playoff teams last season, 9-7. and Yet the Jets had 10 wins and and didn't make the playoffs at all, which I think is ridiculous, but that's besides the point. Uh, This is coming from my article on prosportsrundown.com, examining the reemergence of the Tennessee Titans. If you guys want to talk anything about Tony Romo, or right now we're up to Tennessee Titans, next is going to come out Giants, here's the number to call in. Got something to say? Call the studio. 201-825-1234. We're even jets. Okay, so re-examining the emergence of the the Titans. Now, I have a a well-researched article on here with quotes from McCordy Fasano, and I actually interviewed uh, Associated Press's Teresa Walker, who Teresa Walker covers them for, for the past 20 years. Now, Yes, someone just said Titans' rebirth starts with their offensive line. Yes, it does. Their offensive line. Ah, uh, let me see. A solid. They, I mean, they had an NFL draft. I mean, they have offensive linemen right now. Center Ben Jones, which which they got from the Texans, guy six four three zero three. They GM John Robinson figured out a way in the draft. They had the first pick in the draft. They traded it away. Then they traded back up to take Jack Conklin eighth in the draft. He's 6'6", 308, and Jack Conklin has not missed a snap at right tackle and has not allowed a sack all season long. He's a rookie, and he has never allowed a sack this season. That's unheard of. That is unheard of. And Marcus Mariota is a young quarterback. What If you're a young quarterback and you're still getting used to things, Wouldn't you love to have guys that don't allow the defenders into your personal space? What would that do for your confidence? What you can do with an extra second or two in the pocket? Which is Marcus Mariota's revolution, or evolution. Okay? His debut in the NFL last year, guess what? He had a perfect passer rating. He's thrown less interceptions than last year. And he's exceeding last year's numbers in each of the following categories. Are you ready? He's doing better this year in completion percentage. In number of touchdowns, touchdown percentage, yards per attempt, and quarterback rating. With less interceptions. Okay? Really? Upgrading running offense. DeMarco Murray. What happens when you have a young quarterback who may be a little trepidatious to throw the football? You have a a ground-and-pound running back. DeMarco Murray has been that for, for the Titans. Okay, He came from Philadelphia, under-average season in Philadelphia. He is now in contention to be the 2016's NFL Comeback Player of the Year. Now he's got tangible and intangible qualities as well. Tangibly, he leads the AFC in rushing through Week 10, and he's second in the NFL. The intangibles are what make him great. Just the mere presence of him in in packages has opened up the field for quarterback Marcus Mariota. No doubt. Because you have to now you have to prepare for both guys. Tighter defense, Jason McCordy was out for twelve games last season in due to injury. So in his absence, opposing quarterbacks posted a one oh one point three quarterback rating, which one fifty eight point three is perfect. So almost perfect. They completed 34 touchdown passes against the Titans defense. Now McCordy comes back in. The opposing quarterbacks have been limited to a 90.3 rating and only 16 touchdown passes, which is less than half. They've cut the touchdown percentages, uh, passes in half. And the Titans are tied for 10th in the league in average points allowed per game, which is 25.1 only. They've been Aggressive on offense. Finally, they started off the Packers game last week with an onside kick. Who does that? Who does that? And Coach Mike malarkey was saying that, giving props to Aaron Rodgers and saying that you can't give this. We we tried to steal a possession from these guys. You can't give the ball to Aaron Rodgers. And if and and he let the defense know that if you did do it, you have to stop them because you can't have Aaron Rodgers at midfield. And guess what? They held them to three and out. Three and out. And the Titans put the league on notice. They beat the Packers 47-25. to This week, they're set to take on Andrew Luck and the Colts, which is an AFC South battle. Nick Alfano said Jack Conklin is a stud. Wish he would have hung around for the Giants pick. Yep. Someone on Parasite Hope said that he didn't allow a sack at MSU either. I haven't fact-checked that, but I believe you. Because the way this guy's playing in the NFL, guy's amazing. Now that article that I wrote on my website, ProSportsRundown dot com, was retweeted by Jim Wyatt. He's a senior writer for the Titans. Last I checked, it had over twelve hundred views. Twelve hundred views. So, and he also gave me props. He said, uh, "What did he say? Good article or good, great job, something like that," which is great coming from uh, the senior writer for the Titans' official website, if you ask me. So this week, the Tennessee Titans are set to take on the Indianapolis Colts. Colts coach Chuck Pagano said, quote, it's a playoff football, really, and the Titans are a huge challenge this Sunday. Okay, if we look at the AFC South right now, again, this is the out-of-market, out-of-town spotlight on the Tennessee Titans here. AFC South, Texans are on top, Titans are second, Colts are third, Jaguars are all but down and out in fourth. Okay. Uh, Playoff implications, of course, into this game. Let's look back to the last time they played each other. Last time they played each other, the Colts beat the Titans 34-26. Behind Andrew Luck, 353 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Mariota, 232 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Frank Gore, 61 yards rushing, 22 receiving, 1 touchdown. DeMarco Murray, 107 yards rushing, 20 receiving, 1 touchdown. Now, here are, let's take the Colts first. My keys to victory for the Indianapolis Colts this week. Week 12. Number one, health. Coming off a bye week, Colts look to be in the best health collectively as a group all season. Pagano said this is the first time in a long time so continuity is great, and having all the play, playmakers on the outside available and healthy sure, certainly doesn't hurt. Cause for concern, though, that I found was that luck was limited in practice on Thursday due to a right shoulder injury. If luck is a no-go for today, the effects would be catastrophic. He's been their only bright spot this entire season. I have not checked any um, injury reports just yet. Um, that That's a 1 o'clock game. The Titans take on AFC South Division rival Colts. 1 p.m. from Lucas Oil Stadium, home of the Colts. That's on CBS. Now, the Colts need to slay two-headed monster Mariota and Murray. M and M's. It's a a tall task, but the best way to do it to limit Murray's production and subsequently force young quarterback Mariota to throw the ball. They have to. Mariota has a touchdown to interception ratio of 17 to three in the last, we'll say, six games. 68% completion percentage, and a 119 quarterback rating. And the Colts have a very mediocre defense. Very mediocre. That's going to be a tall task. Third thing that the Colts need to do, capitalize on home field advantage. The Colts are looking for their first winning streak of the season in front of their home crowd. The Titans are entering play with a streak of their own. Guess what? The Titans have not won one single game in history at Lucas Oil Stadium. So the Colts must capitalize on the excitement of their fans. They're honoring the 2006 Super Bowl World Series team. They're going to have Peyton Manning in attendance, Joseph Adai, Jeff Saturday, Reggie Wayne. Crowd's going to be nuts. They need to start fast in their home stadium. I'm not sure if they're going to have the, uh, they have a retractable roof. I don't know if it's going to be open or closed yet either today, but A fast start for the Colts would put some pressure on Mariota, of course. So Mariota would need to manage his unit in an intensely loud atmosphere in a stadium with a retractable dome and a capacity of 70,000. Those are the three ways that the Colts are going to win this game today. Now let's look to the Titans, the keys to victory for the Tennessee Titans. Capitalize on possibly the worst offensive line in the NFL. Colts quarterback Andrew Luck has been sacked in NFL high 33 times this season. 33! Even the 0-10 Cleveland Browns barely protect their quarterback better. Cody Kessler, that is. The difference? Luck costs $140 million. Kessler costs $3.4 It's hard to believe for me that offensive line coach Joe Philman on the Colts still has a job. If you allow your $140 million quarterback to get sacked the NFL highest 33 times, how do you still have a job? He said, you know what he said this week? This guy Philbin, he says, quote, I've certainly studied the hits, the sacks, looked at them all, and in the twist scenario, we have to get better, end quote. Well, Joe Philman, I'm a coach too. And studying and executing are two extremely different areas. Okay? Now, this unit will match up against the Titans' outside linebacker, Brian Arakopo, whose nine sacks through ten games are just one behind the NFL lead. Guy's going to have a monster game, this Arakopo guy, Brian. Number two, the Titans need to exploit the Colts' horrendous pass defense. Of the 32 teams in the NFL, the Colts are ranked 31st in pass defense. And since the last time these two teams have met, Mariota has completed passes for 41 yards versus the Packers, 47 yards versus the Jaguars, and 48 yards versus the Chargers, which is nearly doubling his game high from the last time these guys played, which was 26 yards. The Colts' defense will lie down if Mariota can connect on the long ball in Indianapolis, especially early on. And the last thing, they just need to continue to play aggressively and in system. Only the Atlanta Falcons have more 20-plus yards plays this season than the Titans do. The Titans, like I said, they had the onside kick to start the Green Bay game, and in that game they ran five plays that resulted in gains of 30 yards or more. One of which, of course, was a 75-yard run from the man, DeMarco Murray, in open space. Now, my pick this week, everything considered, all of the research done, you're going to have to wait for. Because let's hear from Teresa Walker, the Associated Press of the Tennessee Titans. Hey, I'm Danielle McCartan for 60 Minute Overtime, and I have on the phone Teresa Walker, Associated Press football writer, covering the Titans for 20 years. She's seen it all with, with these Titans.
4: I absolutely have. I helped cover the boat to actually bring the team to Tennessee, covered games when they were commuting from Nashville to Memphis in 97, at Vanderbilt in 98, and then when everything kind of took off in 99. And, and right now, you know, with Marcus Mariota. Uh, There's a lot of folks in that franchise that think they're finally building back toward what they had. Uh, It's been a long time. It's been seven seasons since they last made it to the playoffs, but the way Marcus Mario is playing with Mike Malarkey, new GM, and John Robinson, they're starting to feel like they finally have a coherent plan in place and, and most of the people to, to make it happen on the field. And it's been interesting to watch the changes, particularly over the last six games for this franchise.
0: Yeah, you know, they are this season, currently right now, week 11, entering week 11, they're 5-5, five and five, second in the AFC South behind the Texans. Now, um, I t- in May, or June, I talked with Jason McCourty, and looking back, what he said to me embodies the entire Titan motto of this season. I'll just uh, I'll say it. He said, I quote, I just want to win football games. This time of the year, which is in June, everybody is sitting around saying, who do we want to win the Super Bowl? And that's everybody's goal. And for me, there's no r- reason to sit here and talk about it. It's just about improving now. And when the time comes, when Sundays come during the fall, we're just trying to do everything in our power to win each and every time we step foot onto that field, end quote. And they have. So, what has been attributed to the Titans' success this year, in your opinion, coming off a three-and-thirteen season?
4: Well, it helped when they started when, a year ago in November when they made the coaching change. You know, Ken Hunt, had his system and was trying to run it, and it just didn't fit the personnel they had. So, you know, they fired him on November third, replacing with Mike Mularkey. And when they decided to keep him at season's end, it wasn't a popular decision. Uh, you know, there were a lot of people It's like, oh, Amy Adams, strong controlling owner, she was just comfortable with this guy and decided to keep him. Well... But on the other hand, this is a guy, this is his third time around. He quit in Buffalo after two seasons, did go 9-7 and seven there his first season. And then there were some changes that they wanted made that he just wasn't comfortable with. And then after the one season in Jacksonville, you know, they decided with a new GM that they wanted a new coach. And, you know, right now Gus Bradley is the guy that they went with instead of Malarkey. And guess what? He... You know, his job security is now highly tenuous. So, yeah. you know, Mike Malarkey, he's got enough experience. He's changed some things that he's done in his previous two spots. It's almost like after, you know, that those experiences, he, he understands now what's what's important, what matters. There's some things he did in Jacksonville that he doesn't do in Nashville. You know, some things like lining up helmets, you know, during warm-ups and stretches. And it's like, you know, he, he's he's... Dropped off things that don't matter. He brought in a lot of veteran coaches. He was criticized this offseason when he, you know, Terry Rubisky, I think, had been, you know, hadn't been an offensive coordinator in a bit. And, you know, shoot, Russ Grimm running the offensive line was out of coaching for at least a year. So, you know, there were a lot of moves that he made that people were like, what are you talking about? And then, you know, this him when the new GM, they, they, they knew exactly what they wanted to do to build this team. They tr- traded for DeMarco Murray. A lot of people thought he was done. They got him for the price of dropping three, 13 spots in the fourth round. That was it. And a reworked deal for DeMarco Murray. Now he is uh, leading the AFC, second in the NFL in rushing. Mm-hmm. Has absolutely uh, helped this franchise. And guess what? What do you need to do for a young quarterback to give him time to learn, like Marcus Mariota? run the ball that's you know there was a lot of talk about oh exotic smash mouth and you know they're now starting to show exactly what he wanted with that if you saw DeMarco Murray throwing a touchdown pass in the first quarter yeah. you know that's that seems to be what Mike Mularkey wants then they're getting. They're now starting to get big chunk plays. The offense is producing. They're averaging nearly 34 points a game over the last six weeks. So, uh, and they're eighth in the NFL in points per game. So, I think we're starting to see the, the, the genesis of exactly what they wanted to do. But let's face it: there were a lot of folks that Mike Mularkey himself said this was not going to be a one-year rebuild job. That there was a lot of needs. This franchise won five games combined over the last two years. It's tough to fix everything in one year. That said, if you can run the ball and you have a quarterback that can cut down on some mistakes, which Marcus Mariota has in recent weeks, it, that's kind of a winning combination in the NFL.
0: Yeah, and, and you touched on it. Uh, DeMarco Murray's second in rushing yards in, in the entire NFL. There's been talks for NFL comeback player of the year. What do you think?
4: Well, uh, I know that my colleague, Barry Wilner, in his package of halfway awards on Friday, had him as the comeback player of the year. I mean, you know, he he looked like he was either done or a bad fit in Chip Kelly's offense last year. And guess what? You know, Marco has said, you know, hey, guess what? I was you know, some of that was on me last year. You know, so he's not throwing it all on Chip Kelly. He looked done last year. I mean, a guy who, you know, led the NFL in rushing the year before in Dallas was the offensive player of the year. You know, he just did not look good last year. He's already topped what he did in Philadelphia last year, and he's just running with authority. I mean, look for any needed evidence. Look at his first run against the Green Bay Packers. He broke out in the open 75 yards.
0: Yeah, The Titans are, in pro football focuses, top three run-blocking teams for the season. 60-minute overtime. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
5: This is Randy Zellia with Back Sports Page, calling from the press box at Giants Stadium.
0: Hey, Randy!
5: What's going on? How are you?
0: Good. I'm just about to get into Giants. I'm, I'm just finishing up my Titans predictions here.
5: Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry about that.
0: No, that's okay. So, uh, is it cold there? <laughs> that's, oh gonna God, this it's <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be That's going to be the story of the day, I think, over there at the MetLife. Yeah.
5: Yeah, it's over, you know, over here in MetLife, uh, I'm warm, but like, when I walked from the car, co- the walked from the car to the press box, it was pretty cold. Uh, <laughs> no, but, um, and all joking aside, um, if you're getting ready to watch a giant game, I have those inactives for today. Uh, Josh Johnson, Travis King, Leon Hall, Justin Pugh, Brett Jones, Larry Donnell, and Robert Thompson, or Robert Thomas, all out for the Giants. Bears inactive: uh, DeAndre Hall, DeAndre Houston Carson, John Timo, Bobby Mac- Messi, Daniel Brown, Eddie Graham, Mitch, uh, you're all out for the Bears. So that's where we're at right now. Any other news, I'm still waiting for. All
0: right, cool. Well, will you check back in?
5: Yeah, what, what time are you uh, staying on till tonight, champ?
0: Uh, probably about twelve ish
5: 12, 15-ish? All right, I'll give you guys one more check
0: in around twelve ten. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. Thanks. Bye. Season. And uh, Jason McCourty touched on it with me. But how, in your opinion, have the off-season investments made a difference in this team, especially in regards to the offensive line?
4: Well, they have been struggling for so long to fix this offensive line. I mean, this is not something that's been an issue in just one or two years. This has been a, you know, an issue back to 2011. Ever since they kind of let Kevin Y. A a yeah. former Jet, yep. leave, they've been trying to fix that. I mean, they have invested over the last four drafts, Three round draft picks and it just wasn't seeming to take it. Two years ago though it was injuries they played seven tackles two years ago in Ken Wisenhunt's first year but this offseason John Robinson he went out and he signed uh, center Ben Jones away from Houston, an AFC South rival and he managed to take and fill in a position that You know they liked what they'd had in Brian Schwenke, but he was a guy who just couldn't stay healthy the last two years. And Ben Jones has come in and hasn't missed a snap. And then you know the team. Let's not forget this team had the number one draft pick overall. They traded to the Rams, and then John Robinson trades back up to number eight, gets Jack Conklin at number eight out of Michigan State. He's he's not missed a snap at right tackle, and you know he's playing. You know he hasn't allowed a sack per Pro Football Focus uh, all season long. And for a rookie coming into the NFL to not allow a sack through 10 games, you know, that's pretty impressive stuff. So that helped anchor thing. This is a line that lost Chance Warmack. He was the first of these three draft picks. They lost him to an injury earlier this season. And, uh, you know, somebody they picked up, Josh Klein, he slid in seamlessly and been able to pick up and take off. So, uh, And then Taylor LeJuan, the second of the three draft picks, he's anchoring at left tackle. And while they're still trying to get his uh, his firing demeanor under- under control, yeah. uh, he you know he gets tossed out after one play on on Sunday for making contact with an official. Right. Mike Malarkey said yesterday, yeah, said on Monday, just be, you know I hope he paid attention how well del- Dennis Kelly filled in for him. You know they're going to make it clear to him, and, and they've tried. You know, guy, you have to keep this under control, one. You know they love what he's been doing play wise this year, but that's the kind of thing you know that. And he, he had a penalty in another game that cost them dearly. So you know that's something they still have to get under control. That said. They've only allowed two sacks in each of the last three games, or total in the last three games combined. They're protecting Mariota. They're run blocking for Marcus uh, DeMarco Murray. It's been impressive to see this unit finally stabilize. It used to be a strength of this team back when they had Bruce Matthews, uh, Brad Hopkins, Michael Roos, David Stewart. For a long time, this was the strength of the offense. Right now, it, it looks like they've got that unit finally shore back up again.
0: And for a young quarterback, that's got to be huge in terms of confidence levels for him.
4: Oh, absolutely! Last year, Mar- uh, you know, Marcus Mariota only played twelve games last season. The reason why? Well, he got hurt in the pocket it wasn't like he was out running and and oh that you know he does he slide does he go to head for that wasn't even an issue the issue for him was that he was getting hit and destroyed in the pocket that's where Olivier Verdon hit him and you know cost him two games to sprain knee and then he sprains a knee in the pocket again in a game at New England and did not finish the season so uh this way they've been able to keep him upright He's staying on the field and when you don't have people right in your face all the time, it's amazing what you, you know what we're seeing him do the numbers are absolutely astounding and, and he's showing what he can do if you give him a couple extra seconds.
0: Yeah, it's true. So now um, only the Falcons have more 20 plus yard plays this season that you know over the Titans. The Titans are tied with San Diego. Um, what's up with this new look aggressiveness for them?
4: Well, that's the thing. You know, for all that talk of exotic smash mouth, people were taking it to mean running the ball. And Mike Malarkey's like, no, no, no. You know, whoever coined this phrase was back in Pittsburgh with the Steelers. It means getting some big plays and doing it with some funky looks. Well, that's what they've been doing. I mean, you know, Delaney Walker at tight end, this is a guy who had 94 catches for over 1,000 yards last season. Well, for the first part of the season, defenses were focusing on him. He was their one target. Well, and the right comes back, he gets, you know, he's finally healthy. Rashard Matthews, another free agent pick up this offseason. Mm-hmm. You know, he's now caught a pass. Uh, he's got six touchdown passes over the last six games. So all these pieces are finally starting to come together. A new offense and, there's, there seems to be a chemistry that's finally been built. You know, some of these players are maturing. And it's been impressive to watch them, you know, I mean, the, the plays yesterday. They had, uh, I'm sorry, on Sunday, they had, I think, five plays that were 32 yards or longer just in that one game.
0: That's incredible. And, and to even open up the game against the Packers with an onside kick, I mean, that was pretty impressive, too.
4: Well, and that's the thing. Mike Malarkey said he wanted to be aggressive. He wanted to, you know, kind of serve notice. He called it a statement game. And, you know, when you're playing an Aaron Rodgers, a two-time MVP, you want to make sure you get as many possessions as you can. And he was trying to steal one. But he made it clear to the defense, you know, just in case it doesn't work. You be ready to go out there and make the stop, and that's exactly what you know they did. This is a franchise that you know making a move like gambling with an opening onside kick—that's the kind of—and not getting it is the kind of thing that would have just deflated their tires in previous seasons. Instead, the defense comes out there, and you know Aaron Rodgers at the forty-nine. You know the odds are pretty good that he's yeah. probably going to get a field goal out of that yeah. at the least, and they just shut him down and force the kick. And then you know the next play later, Demarco Murray goes seventy-five yards. So you know it's been part aggressive uh, approach on the field uh, a mentality attacking and you know i'll say this one thing that helps you when you're healthy it any team in the league you when you're healthy you can come do the, more of these things tennessee titans knock on wood they've enjoyed the kind of health this season that they just hadn't had in recent years
0: correct now if, if we're going to project ahead now week 11 colts it's an afc south showdown and uh, i look back the titans had lost to the colts on uh October 23rd, the score was 34-26. With all things considered, how do you expect this game to play out next week on Sunday?
4: Well, this is one that the Titans absolutely have to have. They've lost 10 straight to the Colts, 15 of the last 16. They have never won at Lucas Oil Stadium, Uh, 0-8. There's been so many times where they gone to indianapolis should have could have won you know indianapolis got their first win the season that uh, peyton manning was injured against the titans you know the uh, the colts have had injuries you name it all sorts of issues and yet they somehow managed to find a way shoot the, uh, the last time these teams met last season you know the colts i think were down to their fourth or fifth quarterback of the season still found a way to win the game right. that said getting the win over the packers struggling though the green uh green bay packers may be this season see, i, 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 I feels like that's going to be the kind of confidence boost that what they're doing works. And uh, at this point, they have their bye the first weekend in December. Uh, they have every chance to be 7-5 and five at that bye. And they host the uh, Houston Texans on January 1st. Yep. That game easily could be for the AFC South title.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So a win this week, you know, this coming Sunday, will most likely lead to a showdown with the Texans on, on New Year's Day for the AFC South title. And I know there's a lot of football to play between now and then. But how do you see that playing out? Who wins the AFC South?
4: Well, i tell you, the Tennessee Titans lost in Houston 27-20 to on the, uh, the strength, essentially, of a punt return for a touchdown. That was the difference in that game. It was knotted up until that. That, that mistake, uh, along with a few others, cost the special teams coordinator Bobby April his job the next day. That was in Houston. The confidence has built so tremendously since then. That was uh, part of a 1-3 start for the Tennessee Titans, 4-2 since then, and they just seem to be building more confidence in the, themselves. In the coaches' schemes and, and across the board. So, uh, and, and if they're playing for that on January 1st in Nashville, I can see a huge crowd for the Titans. They've had trouble draw, drawing people even early this season, but that gives everybody a chance to come out, be loud, and. Uh, If they can get that crowd back in there, it's a very tough place to play in Nashville. Let's not forget, this is probably a little early for the Tennessee Titans. And I admit, in my FC South preview, I picked them third just because when you've won five games the last two years, it's really tough to go on that limb. That said you know Marcus Mariota has shown flashes you know, I mean if anyone saw his debut in the NFL last year he posted a perfect passer rating and if you watched him in college you know the only question was could he get up under center and could he you know throw the ball across the yard he's showing that he can do that absolutely but this is a franchise that that's definitely on the rise no matter if it is a little early than people might have thought they've got two first round draft picks next April
0: and what do you expect them to do with that with
4: those picks well, they have, a, they have a serious need. they got to get a speed wide receiver to help get down the field and open things up a little bit more. So look for that to be possibly the first pick, but they also need a shutdown corner. So wide receiver, corner, that's what they've got to use those first two picks on.
0: You guys have had some, some great insight dropped on you from Teresa Walker, Associated Press football writer for the Titans for 20 years. So I, I want to thank you for coming on 60-minute overtime and uh, – giving us a look into uh, a team other than the New York Jets and New York Giants. My pleasure, Danielle. Thank you so much. So that was Teresa Walker. Obviously, she knows her stuff. So let's get into my pick of the week for the Titans-Colts game. I know you guys have been waiting very patiently uh, with everything considered. I believe that the Titans have all the momentum entering Week 11 against the Colts. The Titans' recent explosive play is an indication that all units have gelled together and are firing on all cylinders. Expect the Titans to have success on low percentage plays, is my opinion here, low percentage plays, and have large gains from the line of scrimmage, thus negating the frenetic ambiance created by Colts fans at Lucas Oil Stadium. So long as the Titans can maintain a successful two-dimensional game plan offensively and prevent Andrew Luck from settling into the pocket defensively, they will win this game easy. My score is the Tennessee Titans, 31, Indianapolis Colts, 17. Lock it in.
3: I'm Jonathan Hankins from New York Giants. You're listening to 60 Minutes Overtime on 90.3 FM.
0: Now the Giants, as you just heard Randy checking in, the Giants at 6-3 and three are taking on the Bears, 2-7. and seven today at 1 p.m. from East Rutherford MetLife um, Stadium. In, and on, that's that game is on Fox. Now the Giants keys to victory. I have three for the Giants and three for the Bears. Three Giants keys to victory. Number one, well, we have to talk about the momentum against the Cincinnati Bengals that they are experiencing right now. Giants beat the Bengals uh, on the national stage on Monday Night Football. Sterling Shepard had a game-winning touchdown. On uh, fourth down. And that's how the Giants won the game. Uh, Coach McAdoo gambled and won. And the quote for you know this week, moving on to this week, he says, quote, we have to make sure we're dialed in. We can't get complacent. End quote. True. Now my three keys for the Giants to win this game. Number one, the Giants have to play two-dimensional football. I've been saying it week in and week out. They must not rely solely on Eli Manning in the passing game, especially today, because the I pull up the forecast, it's, it's very cold here in New Jersey. Uh, there are some areas of our state, especially in the north, that have gotten snow overnight, accumulating snow, and the winds are going to be a story today, and you've heard former Giants players talk about the winds that kick up. Uh, at Giant Stadium. Uh, let's see. The hourly forecast for East Rutherford, New Jersey, there seems to be some precipitation in the air as well. We're under a wind advisory in, in addition. So uh, at kickoff, 42 degrees, feels like 33 degrees. Wind constant, 19 miles an hour, going up to 22 miles an hour. And that's not even uh, taking into consideration the gusts. Uh, the gusts are expected to be up to... 50 miles an hour this afternoon. They're warning of uh, strongest winds are expected during the daylight hours. Uh, may blow down tree limbs, power lines, power outages. So, MetLife Stadium is not an easy pla- pa- place to play, especially in the swirling winds. If we, You've heard quarterbacks talk about it. Phil Simms has talked about it. Um, so they must not rely t- solely on Eli Manning. Okay, they have to step up their running game, which has been better as of recent, but still not good enough. Last week, uh, Rashad Jennings had 87 yards rushing. Paul Perkins had 31. Still not good enough. We know the story that the Giants have not really had a great running game. Actually, it's like one of the worst in the league. Actually, now I think it's second worst. Last week it was worse. This week it's second worst. So... It's going to be a tall task, though, to get the running game started because the Bears have the eighth-best rushing defense in the league. And Eli Manning gets on and says, and NFL Network, and says, quote, I don't look at records. I look at defense. I see a good defense and a good defensive line, end quote. That's my first. Giants must play two-dimensional football. I think this is Randy checking back in. Randy? Yes, yes. Okay. So what's up?
5: Okay, so um – not much else as far as news is concerned uh... right now. What I'm seeing is some of the, the wideouts are on the field right now for the Giants. Bears are warming up. Like I said, uh, no Alshon Jeffries today. Well, Alshon Correct. Jeffries has been out for, uh, for a little while right now. Um, and right now, that's where we're right, right now where we're at. Uh, pretty optimistic feeling right now as far as for the Giants perspective in the uh... press box right now. The general feeling is that the Bears this week, the Browns uh next week and then you have the Cowboys and the Steelers. Um, you know, the pressure's on this team. You know, there's a two hundred million dollar defense out there that has been not break and not broken all year, but at one point does the uh lackluster running game start taking its effect on this Giants team. So we'll be interesting to see where everything goes today. Um, you know, and then we'll you know, obviously we'll keep an eye on what's going on as far as the injury situation with Victor Cruz. He's gonna be limited today but he's he is dressed, ready to go. That's where we are right now, at my stadium, with about uh, 50 minutes to game time.
0: Now, I was just talking about the weather, and I was just talking about how uh, wind gusts are going to be up to, to 50 miles an hour. What is the effect on um, both Eli Manning and Jay Cutler, who do like the the deep ball, and on the field goal uh, units?
5: Well, the thing is, uh, it was, especially with the old Giant stadium, the wind was much more of a factor, because uh, it was more you've been to this stadium obviously Danielle it was like a little, the old one was a little bit more circular this one's a little bit more out so wind is a factor but it's not as much of a factor so as long as you're going into the wind you're got obviously both quarterbacks and both kickers are going to have uh, a, a direct uh, a direct positive effect uh... It's, the wind is going to be it's cold but uh, the wind is not going to be that much of a factor as of right now uh, looking at the wind courts it's not going to be as strong as uh... as it looks as it looks problem in the past situations. I've seen it worse. Let's put
0: it that way. All right. Um, So I was just talking about how the Giants need to be playing two-dimensional football. They can't rely on Eli Manning. Um, The Giants have the second-to-worst running game in in the league. It used to be worse. Now it's Um, second-worst. And we have to capitalize. You mentioned some of the injuries. The Giants also have to capitalize on some key absences. Kyle Long is out for the season with an ankle injury for the Bears. Right tackle Bobby Massey, he's under concussion protocol. And like you said, Randy, Alshon Jeffrey, wide receiver, he's suspending for using, uh, he didn't know, allegedly, he was using performance-enhancing drugs. Now, now, I think the more important of the injury, because Jeffrey's only had 630 yards, 16 yards a game, one touchdown this whole season. For me, long, which is, he's the guard, that's a more important injury. How do you see the Giants front four crashing the offensive line of the Bears?
5: Well... This, the offensive line of the Bears has always has, has been a has been a strength for them. Uh, Jay Cutler, first off, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be off off topic too much, but you know, with the loss of Alshon Jeffries, it gives other receivers the opportunity to you uh, get the ball. Jay Cutler is known when he's able to spread the ball out a little bit more, has a little bit more success. than have had in the past when he's just having one or two main targets. So this will be interesting to watch the. Um, the the Giants' defense has to get pressure on, um, on Cutler, and that's not been one of their strong points. Giants is, is on the bottom of the league. It's still in sacks not getting to the quarterback. has still been a major issue for them, even though the defense has been um, not broken, like I was saying before. So it's really interesting to see uh, if the Bears can protect uh, Cutler from, from a different perspective from uh, the offensive lineup Again, this is, uh, this is the second, second or third straight game that he has been out. And he anchors that offensive line. So we're going to see very, very much to see what's going to happen. So hopefully Eric Flowers will be able to step up a little bit more and, the, you know, the distilling spots. Right now they're announcing the lineup, the lineup changes as we speak. So um, I can give you enough to how you're getting off the air in a few minutes. But, you know, this would be, those are the key points of the game right now. Uh, can you go, know, which defense is going to step up and uh, play a little bit better? Because these are good solid defenses. The offenses i are going to give you the points either way.
0: So. All right, so uh, lay it out there. What do you got for the score of this game?
5: Oh, you know I hate playing this game. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm i going to go 24-10 Giants.
0: 24-10 Giants. Okay, lock it in. That's Randy. Randy Zellia from Back Sports Page has got 24-10 Giants over the Bears. Randy, just shout out where they can where they can find all your work, especially being well, at the stadium today.
5: Uh, follow me on Twitter today at RandyBSP and at Hatback Sports page. And don't forget, you can also find us on the same network, uh, Off Topic, with Steve up and Randy's area, every Wednesday. I'm sorry, every Thursday from 7 to 9 p.m., except for this Thursday. So I wish everybody and all your listeners a very happy Thanksgiving.
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot. This is creeping up. All right, Randy, well, thanks for checking in. Uh, I'm sure everybody will be following your in-game updates. on it's at RandyBSP. Thanks for checking in, Randy. All right, so that was Randy calling in from MetLife Stadium. Now, like I was saying, the Giants need to play two-dimensional football, number one. That's the number one way they're going to win. Number two, as we just were talking, they need to capitalize on key absences. And number three, Randy alluded to it, but I'm going to talk about it. They need to force turnovers. And also, following up on that, they need to capitalize on those possessions in terms of scoring. Okay, The Giants front four needs to crash through the depleted O-line of the Bears They need to get to Cutler, hurry him up, knock him around They need to force him to become the turnover machine that he was last week in Tampa They had four turnovers in Tampa Three out of the four were directly correlated to Jay Cutler now, the Giants also need to improve their turnovers into points ratio. It's one of the worst in the league. They take the ball away, but they can't do anything with it once they do. Notable, Giants are ranked 22, 22nd in pass defense. Now, Cutler loves the deep ball. He loves to throw the deep ball. I think they scored last week on a Hail Mary pass, I believe. Now, taking into consideration the wins, and, you know, he's got a depleted wide receiver court, how is that going to affect his play? The Giants can't allow him time to throw the ball down the field. The last four games, also notable, the Giants have not allowed an opponent to score more than 23 points. Those are my keys to victory for the New York football Giants. Two-dimensional football, capitalize on absences and injuries of the Bears, and forced turnovers, especially on the part of Jay Cutler. Three ways the Bears are going to win today. Their defense. The Bears have a very good defense. And you heard Eli uh, Eli's quote from before. I don't look at records, I look at defense. I see a good defense and a defensive line. In fact, they're ranked 12th in pass defense in the league. They had four sacks last week and one interception. This season they've had five interceptions and 24 sacks though. 8th in the league and 12th in the league in forced fumbles. Pernell McPhee, a linebacker, is talking some trash. And he has an expletive in here, so I'm going to, you know, say, allude to it. But this is his quote. Pernell McPhee is a linebacker of the Bears. He says, quote, we're going to tear their beep up. He can throw the ball as many times as he wants, meaning Eli. We're going to sack him. I'm going to make sure of that, end quote. Now, the Giants have not responded to that. I think they're going to let their play do the talking. Um." Number two, the number two way that the the Chicago Bears are going to win this game, ball security. John Fox, Coach John Fox has said, quote, that has been an emphasis this week, end quote. Jay Cutler last week, two interceptions and two fumbles, and he lost one of those fumbles. Jordan Howard, their rookie running back, also lost a fumble, and that was four turnovers. They got blown out by the Buccaneers last week, the lowly Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I believe the score was, uh, I thought I had it. I think the score was like 36-10. Like what? Buccaneers kind of stink. And by the way, Jay Cutler has been less than impressive this whole entire season. He's got a 77 rating. He has more interceptions, four, than touchdowns, three. He's got a 59.8% completion percentage. And that's an F in school, boys and girls. If you get a 59.8 on a test or quiz, that's an F. So Jay Cutler has been handing in some F work for the Bears this year so far. Third key, and this is going to be the biggest thing for the Bears, they cannot rely on Jay Cutler. He's been inconsistent, as I just demonstrated. They're going to have to rely on running back Jordan Howard. The guy's a rookie, but last week he was the only bright spot for the Bears in Tampa. He had 100 yards rushing. That's going to be really tough to do, though especially with two veteran linemen out. Odell Beckham calling the Giants defense a Super Bowl caliber defense. What? But there's, you know, the last time the Giants won the Super Bowl, as Steve Mariucci pointed out this morning, which was against the Patriots, they had a 27th ranked defense. So maybe Odell Beckham is on uh, on target with that, not where they are currently, but where they want where he imagines this defense to go. It's been picking up. So, look for Jordan Howard to be the game changer for the Chicago Bears today. Uh, If he can't get going, it's going to be a really, really rough day for the Bears. So So just to recap, three keys for the game, three keys that the Bears are going to win if they execute these. Defense first, secure the ball, and establish a run game. Now I'm going to leave you with a quote from Jason Pierre-Paul, and it's sort of long, but he says, I'm pretty sure that Cutler is a smart quarterback. And once he gets rolling, he is rolling. You can't let that fool you. I know their record doesn't say it, 2-7, and seven, but they are a good team. But we do know, oh, but what we know, but we know what we have to do, get to the quarterback, play the run first. We can't forget about the run because they have a good running backs back there, and that is all we are going to be doing. We are not too worried about Cutler. We have to be, but our job is to play the run first and get to the pass second. But as long as we keep playing good ball, we'll be all right. Seems like the Giants are ready for the running attack of the Bears, if you ask me. So my pick for today's 1 p.m. game for MetLife Stadium on Fox is going to be the New York Giants over the Chicago Bears. The score will be 17-7. to 7. Lock it in. Okay, so taking some last comments on Facebook. Facebook Live, on, on Periscope, on Twitter. You guys have been a great audience today. Very interactive, especially in the beginning. Okay, you can find my work on um, a lot of different places now. ProSportsRundown.com, that's my site. Periscope, as you guys are probably watching right now, at Coach McCartan. Twitter, at Coach MCCARTAN. Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. YouTube, you are going to search in the search bar, quotes, Coach McCartan soundcloud.com slash coach mccartan itunes podcast coach space mccartan when you search on that in the itunes store it's free and now i'm on TuneIn radio you'll type in 60 minute overtime i don't think that's live i believe that's are those are back episodes so i will upload all of those thank you to uh like i said at the top mike francesa brian monzo for having me on this week teresa walker thank you for taking your time out of your day Uh, The Associated Press football writer covering the Titans for 20 years. So both games that I've previewed today uh, focused really on which were the Titans and Titans against the Colts and then the Giants and the Bears. They're both on at 1 o'clock. So I can't wait to get home. Oh, I almost forgot. My lock of the week. As you guys know, I play, um, you know, in the weekly games. And you have to pick a different team to win every single week. No repeats allowed. Uh, This was sort of a tougher week. It's getting down to the wire. Week 11, I'm still in the second chance pool. But my lock of the week, uh, and I hate to do this because I don't think they're going to lose every single game of the season, but my lock of the week is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. I believe there was snow on the ground this morning there in in Cleveland. (laughs) Uh, but the field is, is in great shape, apparently, as they were saying on the NFL Network. So my my lock of the week, Steelers over Browns. And I hate picking the away team, so I hope I'm not wrong on this. But um, I just don't think the uh, Cleveland Browns defense has an answer for any of the weapons that the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers have on offense. All right, so uh, that, was, that was it. That's the wrap. So we got Tony Romo. We talked about Tony Romo. The Jets continuing to have controversy. Giants Week 11 preview. uh, Keys to victory for the Giants. Keys to victory for the Bears. Um, Bryce Petty or Ryan Fitzpatrick. Who knows what that's going to bring, but I I do. I would be shocked if it was Fitzpatrick against the uh, Patriots next week. My out-of-town spotlight, Tennessee Titans, which parlayed into my interview with Teresa Walker and parlayed into my uh preview for the Colts first Titans this game this week, today, one o'clock. Okay, so uh, nothing else is coming through on, on the on the lines here. So I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I'll be back next Sunday, eleven AM and uh, I'll see you guys there. Thanks for tuning in. And happy Thanksgiving. Follow me on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach MCC A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search, with no spaces, Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.